God reminded me of a dream that I had just a few nights ago. Now, if you know anything about me, God typically doesn't speak to me through dreams. He speaks to me in other ways. Not to say I don't ever have dreams. But this particular night, it was Thursday night. God spoke to me in a dream and he reminded me of it on Saturday night. And in this dream, I was sitting at a table. And there is a person standing in front of me. I couldn't make it out at the time, but the man seemed to be Jesus. And on this table sat one item. And that item was a clock. And it was a particular clock that you would have to put some type of battery in and hang on your wall to help keep time. Yet I could see very clearly that this clock did not have a battery. Yet I did not notice it at the time. I began to focus my eyes on the clock. And the hour hand and the minute hand were spinning uncontrollably. In just a rapid motion, they were spinning around this clock. And I awoke from my dream and I began to pray and ask the Lord what was the meaning of this dream. And I believe it. To be true that the Lord spoke to me that next morning and he said, I'm about to speed up the process. I'm about to speed up the process. And what once didn't have power will now be run by my spirit. You don't need anything else man-made. You don't need anything else. All you need is me. And I began in that moment to cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry if I've ever done anything that has been centered or focused around me. Because we have to hear this. And mind you, coming from a pastor's heart, and I'm throwing myself in the boat. So if I'm stepping on any toes, I'm going to crunch mine today. Okay? I'm stepping on my own toes. Because we have to get to the place in our Christian walk with God that we're willing to let go of our personal preference and allow God to lead the way that He wants to lead. We have to allow God the ability to lead as He wants to lead. And so in doing that, I have to take myself and step out of the way so I can allow the Lord to do what He wants to. That's the only way we're going to get this clock moving. And so I'm sitting there crying out to God, apologizing to him, saying, God, I'm sorry. And he reminded me of this on Saturday night. So if you know anything about me, and we're going to pray in a minute because I need you to pray for me before we get into the meat of this. I carry my iPad with me every time I preach. I have my iPad. I have my Bible. They're my comfort. I'm what you call a transcript um, a preacher. I write everything down word for word. If I say, can you say amen, it's probably because I've written it in my notes somewhere. Okay, I write things out. Today I don't have that. And I heard the Lord speak to me last night and he said, step out in faith, my son. I'll teach you what to say. I was talking with a friend who shared with me a dream that they had. Sometime last year they dreamt of a door 
but the door was shut. Just last week, this door, this person began to see the door creep open and this light shine through. I'm telling you right now, God is going to take all the disunity in our nation. He's going to take all the unrest. He's going to take everything that's happening that he's not pleased with. And I promise you this, I know for a fact, he will fill up his church in the last days before he comes back. He is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh one last time. He is going to release a revival across this nation that, that when we see it, we know it's what it is because we know it's God. God is going to speak to us again. And I believe that time is closer. Pastor in Ohio, Pastor Clardy, I was watching uh, Facebook. He, meant he, he wrote down a post. He had a similar dream. He had a similar dream and, and his dream was that at the end of his dream, the Lord told him to say at the end of every sermon from here on out that the Lord is coming soon. As to say, remind your people, remind the congregation that my scripture does say tomorrow's not promised, but rather that the hour is now. That we need to come back to Him. The hour is now in which we got to get our life right. The hour is now that we have to pre prepare ourselves. Because there is coming a day when the trumpet will sound. And He's coming back from heaven for you and I. And I don't want to miss that moment. So I said, God, you're going to have to speak to me. And He reminded me of a message I spoke about a year ago. And... I was writing some new notes and I'm putting all this together and I wanted to preach to you today a word of encouragement. I've been hammering for the last couple weeks that we can't do this thing called life without each other. We have to have each other. It's like a marriage. It's like that you, it says for, for, um, for um, better or for worse, in sickness and in health, which means the church is the same way, in better and in worse, in sickness and in health, we have to unite and stand behind each other. We're never going to make it alone. We're never going to make it if we don't do that. So we have to unite together under one front and say to God be the glory and whatever He wills in this church, then that's what I'll have. That's what we have to do. So he reminded me of this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And before I read, I want you to pray for me that the Lord speak to me one more time. Lord, I'm your servant today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let whatever comes out edified and glorify you. Let whatever comes out of my mouth praise the God above. And at the end of this service, let this word be transformative to my spirit, transformative to my mind, and transformative to my body. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse number 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now, if we, if, if we look at the next couple of scriptures here, I believe to a T it describes my life. Okay? Watch this. It says we are hard-pressed on every side. 
but not crushed. Perplexed. Have you ever been in that place where you just, something's happened and you just, the only thing you can do is just say, my God, my God, how in the world did I get here? How did this happen? I see your head shaking. How in the world did this happen to me? How did I get myself here? I'm perplexed, but I'm telling you, I'm not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down. The enemy might try to take every punch and every jab that he has. But I am not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. In other words, he says no matter what the enemy tries to do to us, the life of God will always come through in my life. Another passage in the Bible is going to be up on the screen. It says fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Nobody ever told me, I wish they would have, Miss Debbie. I'm telling you, my life would have been so much easier had they just told me, look, just go ahead and prep for it. Your life's not going to be perfect. I wish somebody would have prepared me because I'm telling you what, there have been obstacles and there's been curves there's been right jabs and left jabs there's been this and there's been that and I'm telling you only by the grace of God only by the grace of God have we been able to get through so I preached this message about a year ago and I want to take just a couple thoughts from this before I get to my last point did you know that we need each other we need each other Young and old, old and young, middle-aged, it doesn't matter who you are. We have to have each other. There's no way we can do this by ourselves. It saddens me if you follow the news and church politics and all this stuff that there's a church in Birmingham, Alabama right now. I'm very well aware of this church. I've been to this church. I've um, toured this church. I've... I've studied this church. Pastor Chris Hodges actually in the last year or so passed Life Church as the largest church in all the United States. They had, he liked a couple posts and, and it was from somebody who had said some other things that were insensitive to our culture and people started hammering him because of some posts that he had liked. And now two of his campuses have been completely shut down and people have actually taken money out of that church. It's sad to me that the church is being attacked today. And it's in such a time as this that we have to have each other so that we can pick up our brother and pick up our sister that might be down and pick them up so that they can go another round. We've got to have each other. So in this game called boxing, I love this sport. It's a, it's, it's a great sport. But in this sport, you have a corner man. And this corner man, his job is to encourage, is to equip, is to teach, is to train, and it is to help the boxer so that in between rounds he can get back into the fight and do that which he was called to do. And it's our job. It's not just from pastor to congregant. But it's also from friend to friend, brother to brother, sister to sister, mom to dad, dad to children. It doesn't matter what it may be. We have to lift each other up. Everybody needs their own corner man. 
Because let me explain to you this, and I want to share a stat that I've shared before. The American church is on a decline. The American church, look, less than 20% of, church, of, of, of people today, engaged church people, less than 20% say they attend church regularly. Between 8,000 and 10,000 churches a year are closing their doors. This was pre-COVID. Now, during COVID-19, you see more churches closing their doors because of lack of you know, money, can't pay the bills, have to turn off the lights, close the doors, can't make it. We're seeing 8,000 to 10,000 churches a year closing their doors for the last time. So let me tell you something. And most people in this room remember such a time as this, that in the 90s, an attendee who said they attended church on a regular basis attended 12 times a month. They attended 12 times a month. Now, I remember those days because I remember Monday night choir practice and Tuesday night prayer meeting and Wednesday night church and, and Thursday night prayer meeting and Friday night youth group and Sunday morning church just to go eat at a restaurant, go home, take a nap, and come home for church that night, okay? That was how we did it. And we were at church every day of the week. And in some ways, I miss that. But today... 65% of so-called Christians are attending church one time every six weeks. I want you to let that sink in. And we wonder why we can't take a jab when the enemy throws it. We wonder why we, we tuck up under a hole and hide up under a rock when the enemy comes to attack because we have what in, um, what in um, boxing terms is called a glass jaw. When you have a glass jaw, that means you can't take a punch. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to hit it. It's going to break your bone. It's going to make you bleed. Just one single punch, it's a glass jaw. And in so many cases, the church has developed this glass jaw mentality to where we are not rooted within the church. We are not planted within the church. And we don't get involved in the church. Therefore, we cannot take the attack that the enemy throws at us. In Luke chapter 4, I want you to listen to this. Talking about Jesus, it says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, would you know anything about the Sabbath? The Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest, right? And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, and I love these words, as was his custom. Meaning that he knew that the place that he needed to be to get rejuvenated, the place that he needed to be to find rest, the place where he needed to be to be encouraged, was in the church. As was his custom. You know, I used to play this game as a child called Simon Says. I wish we'd get back to doing what, what um, he says. We've got to get involved within the church. We need the church. We need each other. Here's a reason why we need it. Because we need time to just be able to sit and reflect in his presence. Too many times outside the church we get into the do's and, and of, of our day and we get in our list of things we got to do and, and we get so busy that we forget to talk to God. And it's in places like this where we can just sit down and rest and be in his presence. It's in places like this where, where I can get my rest back. 
The church, just like the corner of a boxing ring, is supposed to be that place where I can find my rest before I go back out and fight another round. Here's another reason why we need the church, because it's in corporate gatherings where God speaks to us. It's in gatherings like this where we can just silence all the noise around us and, and hear the voice of God speak clearly to us. Let me tell you why else we need the church. Because you might just encourage and inspire somebody else sitting near you. There have been times, I'm going to be honest, where uh, um, before here, it's never have happened here, right? So uh, it's, it's where my alarm clock would go off and... Oh, I've got to wake up today. Got to get dressed. Got to go to church. Man, just to have a week off would be nice, right? Not have to go. Just sleep in just a little bit. And I get to church. And at first, I kind of go through the motions and... How great is our God. Sing with me, right? And then before long, the person beside us that single mom that's had a rough week that that husband that just lost their job that person that that just had that horrible accident you start to see them become free and give their heart to Christ and and you start to see them worship why because your very presence of being there encouraged them to find God we need each other we need the church. Let me tell you why else we need it. Men, I'd like to talk to you for just a moment. Because men, you are creating a legacy. Whether it be your children, whether it be their children, whether it be his children or her children, my grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, it doesn't matter. You are creating a legacy. Listen to this stat. 72% of children remain in church after graduation if mom and dad both come. 6% stay if neither mom or dad come. 15% stay if only mom. And 55% of children after graduation stay involved in church because their dad got up and brought them there. We need spiritual men that will stand up for what they know is right that will stand behind the word of God and not allow a society or a culture dictate to them what is and is not right. We need men to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve God. We need men to say that I will not fall prey to the lies of the enemy, but rather I'm going to stand boldness on this word, and I'm going to shout it from the rooftop so that my children and my grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren stay in church. We need it. We need it. So I got to thinking about this analogy that I had used about the corner man. And it's so important for the season that we're in. I don't need this one yet. I'll come back to it. In every boxing match, we go out and we face an opponent. And they might come in with a right jab, a left jab. They might come in with an uppercut, right hook. Don't know what it may be. But they're going to come with something. And sooner or later, they're going to come with something that we're not prepared for. 
And we get caught off guard and we get knocked out and our eyes starts to swell up. Our mouth gets a little bloodied. And we come back to the corner because the bell rings and you're ready to throw in the white flag saying that I'm done, it's over, I can't make it anymore. But that's when the corner man, you and I, come in behind him and say, no, brother, you got it. Don't give up yet. Don't quit. I'm going to help you out just, just a tad bit. Look, I know he hit you real hard. I know you might be bleeding real, real, real good. But I'm telling you, if you just duck a little bit here, send your right hook there, I'm telling you, you're going to make it. You're going to do it. Get back out there and fight another round. But without the corner man, we have people that get in battle. And they get worn out and they get tired and they get depressed and they get anxious and they get all these things and they want to quit. They want to give up and they don't want to do it anymore. But it takes a church member. It takes a friend. It takes a united body of Christ to stand behind that person and say, no, I will not allow you to give up. I will not allow you to quit. But rather, I'm going to hold your hand, brother. I'm going to help you through it. And this is what you're going to do. Every corner man has a bucket. And this bucket really isn't used for nice things. If you know anything about boxing, this bucket is used to spit out all the blood that's in your mouth. It's used to get all that nastiness that's not supposed to be there. You see, because a corner man realizes what's going on, he says, brother, to heal up, you've got to get rid of that. To heal up, I'm going to hold you accountable. Listen, I know what's been happening. I've been praying for, for you. I want to hold you accountable, brother. I want to walk with you in this thing called, called life. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. So we get rid of everything that should not be there so that in return I can reach in and grab my water bottle and hand it to him and say, Brother, now that you've emptied out everything that's not supposed to be there, now let me fill you with the Holy Spirit. Now let me give you the Word of God. Now let me give you Scripture to help you. And I didn't bring it with me today because I didn't want to scare them. But also, a, a coin, they also have a razor. And here's what they do with a razor. If you know anything about it, if you get punched in the eye real, real good, it starts to swell up. And pressure begins to, to build up. So they take that razor and they make a little cut right there to relieve the pressure. As if to say, as a corner man, I want to take some of the pressure off of you. I know you've been praying. I know you've been stressed out. What can I do to help you? my what, what, what can I do to help relieve some of that stress? What can I do to make your life easier? You see, that's, that's where we come in. We've got to be that for each other. We have to be that for each other. And then, after they make the cut and, and after they relieve the pressure, sorry, I just about tripped. And then they come in and they have some gel, they have some ointment, and they open it up. I'm not going to rub it on your face. That'd just be weird. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it, right? And I'm going to take it and I'm going to rub it on every cut, on every scar, on every scrape. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why they use that. Because they're going to try and hit you in the same spot again. Here's what the enemy does. He pokes and he prods in that one area. 
That one thing on our life that we can't control. That one thing in life that we've tried to get rid of and just can't do it. That one thing in life that we just can't submit to God in that way. The enemy's going to poke and he's going to dig and he's going to prod in that same place. And the corner man comes in and rubs a little gel on it so that what stuck in the first round will slide off in round two. I'm not going to allow you to stand there and get hit. I'm not, as your brother in Christ, going to see the enemy trample all over you and not do anything about it. I'm going to call you. I'm going to write you a letter. I'm going to send you a text. I'm going to invite you to lunch. I'm going to do whatever I can do to make sure that we go another round. We've got to do it for each other. That's what the corner man does. And the Lord's begin to remind me of all this stuff and... And how we have to have each other. And how we have to have the church. And how we need to do all these things to make sure that we're accountable to each other. And then the Lord reminded me of my favorite sport in the history of all sports. Lifetime sports, the game of baseball. Baseball, we can sit and argue and fight and prod and all that. But you can't convince me that there's any greater sport than the sport of baseball. I can tell you everything there is about, I, I can tell you about the 1995 World Series Atlanta Braves. Who beat the Cleveland Indians, which would be Daniel McAllister's favorite more. So I lived that through my kids, right? And so my kids, I knew, I said, I can't wait to have boys so that my boys can play baseball. So my eight-year-old son plays baseball. Right now, he's in coach pitch, so everything is straight down the middle. He just lines it up and hammers that ball, bam, done, right? But next year, because he'll be nine years old, he moves into what they call player pitch. Now, player pitch, first-year player pitch, you never know where that ball's going, so you got to be watching for it. It might just hit you. And the enemy likes to do that sometimes. He likes to throw things perfect purposely at you so that it lands he wants it to bruise he wants it to hurt because what he wants you to do is he wants you to be scared of getting back to the plate he wants you to be scared of walking back up there and saying i'm not gonna allow that past experience to affect my next at bat did you hear me I'm not going to allow what happened what happened to me yesterday dictate to me what's going to happen tomorrow so I'm going to get back in I'm going to get back next to the plate and I'm going to go back in one more time. I began to have a conversation with my son and some of you will appreciate this, all of my baseball enthusiasts. At some point, you got to learn how to hit a curveball. And curveballs mask themselves as balls coming right at your head. And if we've had a past experience of balls hitting us, we tend to get scared and act in fear when we see another one coming at me. You see, what happens is when I get up to the plate after I've been hit so many times, I want to get up there, I want to get in my stance, and I want to get ready to hit. But the minute I turn my head and look at the pitcher, I'm worried about what's coming next because I've been hit so many times. 
And just like the corner man, that's why you need the coach. The coach is sitting there saying, hey, bud, I know you could do it. Stay in there one more time. Just dig down deep. Just go back in. Get that head down, tuck that shoulder, put that elbow up. Get, get, get ready because when that ball comes across the plate, you're going to give it a ride of its life. But what happens when the pitcher intentionally throws a curveball to make it look like it's coming at you? And then we act in fear. And when we turn away from that which God has called us to do because we're scared of being hurt again. We're scared of somebody talking about us again. We're scared of somebody leaving me out again. We're scared of that past hurt over and over that I turned my head just to find that the ball curved over right, the, right in the middle of the plate. And had I stayed in, had I tucked my shoulder, had I got my elbow up and just waited for that ball to come, maybe I would have seen it coming right over the plate to where I could knock it out of the park. But we act in fear so many times that we never get to that place. I'm telling you, it's time for the church to rise up and for brothers and sisters in Christ to be there for each other so that I can sit there and say, Autumn, don't give up. Don't give up. Just bite down one more time. Just dig down deep right in there. Get your nails in it. Do whatever you got to do, but fight harder. Fight one more round. I'm telling you, don't pull your head out. Keep it in there. You can do it. I promise you that ball's coming right over the plate again. I promise you don't quit. We have to be that for each other. We have to be that for each other. So as I close this message, Joe, if you'll play softly. What's the point of this? Some of us have been in a boxing match this week. I know I have. I've tossed and I've turned and I've fought and I've... God, what do I do? And I believe the Lord spoke to me. He said, go out there one more time. Well, God, what if it happens again? Then go out there one more time. God, what if I get hurt again? Go out there one more time. God, what if they say that thing that hurt me? What if they remind me of my past? What if they show me that I'm wrong? What if they convince me that I'm not in God's will? What if they, what if they turn against me? What if I do this and what if I do that? Just go one more round. Because if we quit and turn on each other, if we give up and don't support and encourage, then the enemy has won. And I want every single person in this room, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Brian, I'm praying for you, my friend. We will see healing. I believe it in the name of Jesus. Paula, I'm praying for you. Every single day of my life, God, lift up Paula in prayer. Joe, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your home. Seth, I want, I want you to know 
I have your kids, buddy. I've been praying for them. Every last one of them, I'm covering them in prayer. I've got you and your wife. I've got your home, buddy. Don't ever feel and go to bed at night thinking somebody doesn't care about me. I care about you. And I'm praying for I'm praying for you. I'm praying that the glory of God open up a window of heaven over your life so much that you won't even know it. That you'll see it. You'll be like, oh my gosh. I knew God was going to move. But this, goodness gracious. I want Him to pour out on you in such a way that the anointing in your gifting would pour out in those strings and through your voice that people would come to know Christ. We have an intercessory prayer team here. I want you guys to know I'm lifting you up in prayer. I care about you, Tony. I love you and Paul. You are dear to my heart. And I want you to know every night I pray for you. And I call you out by name. We've got to be that for each other. And lift each other up. Lift each other up. Lift each other up. Because tomorrow's not promised. And if we're ever going to reach the place, and I'll be quiet and pray. If we're ever going to reach to that place, Lord, where that door opens up. If we're ever going to reach that place where that clock begins to spin uncontrollably. To where the glory of God falls in this place and He speeds up His process. There's no way that's going to happen if we aren't united in doing it together. So one last week, for the third week in a row, I want to hammer this out right here. We need each other. I love you guys. I'm your corner man. And I'm your coach. But I need you to be mine too. <laughs> <laughs>